Hello, everyone. David Chalian here, CNN's political director. This is Politically Sound. If you've been following our first 100 days of the Biden presidency, then you'll remember our episode that focused on Biden's immigration policies and plans. We told you about his push for a path to citizenship, his reforms to legal immigration, and shared some of the experiences of young immigrants brought to this country by their parents. But this week, we're going to take a look at a different side of the immigration policy, the ongoing crisis at the southern border. What we are seeing is children between the ages of 13 and 17. They're anxious to let somebody know, um, whether it be back home in home country or here in the U.S., that they've made the journey. One little boy, he called, and I could see that the tears were welling up in his eyes. And when he hung up, he was full-fledged. He was sobbing. And I said, are you okay? And he said, yes. He says, I'm actually, I'm fine. He says, it's just, this is the first time I get to talk to my mother. And she knows that I made it and she knows that I'm alive. He was 14 years old. That's Michelle Sines Rodriguez, an immigration lawyer and volunteer at an immigration facility in Dallas that houses unaccompanied children. She's describing some of the trauma children have endured while being away from their families and held in U.S. Customs and Border facilities. She also spoke to us about the dire situations many of these children have had to face in order to get into the United States. I heard another story from a little boy from Nicaragua. The Dallas bishop had come to talk to the boys, and he brought a big picture of the Virgin Mary. And he went over, and he knelt down, and he said, I'm giving thanks. I said, you know, I said, do you know the Virgin Mary? He says, yes. He says, she's actually been a savior to me. I said, really, why is that? And she, he said, because it's taken me one year to travel from Nicaragua to the United States. And during the whole time that I have traveled, she has been where I pray to. She has been my guiding factor. She has been the one that I feel is looking over me. Um, he said, I was asleep in the desert one day and I felt like somebody was telling me to wake up. And as soon as I woke up, I look over and there is a snake and it's on the ground about to bite me. But I was able to come out of a deep sleep and get up and I attribute that to the protection of Our Lady and, and the Virgin Mary. Every day for the past few months, massive numbers of unaccompanied children have been arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border. They share their version of experiences with Michelle, and they describe the conditions they were detained in upon entry. One little boy said it had taken him about a month to travel from Guatemala to the United States. And then he said he was in custody at CBP for 13 days. He said it was very, very cold in those facilities and there were no there were no beds. They were given a mat to sleep on and four boys would get one mat and then they would trade off. Some would sit on the bench and some would lay on the floor and try and get some rest. As we're recording this podcast, the number of unaccompanied minors in Customs and Border Protection custody is close to 6,000. One of the border facilities has said it is 700% over capacity. That's not even to mention the thousands of people each day seeking to enter the United States who are turned away or detained and sent back. This truly is the definition of a crisis. So today, you're going to hear more from activists on the ground working to deal with the influx of migrants, as well as CNN immigration reporter Priscilla Alvarez, 
will help us break down President Biden's border policies. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. My name is Melissa Lopez. I'm the executive director of Diocesan Migrant and Refugee Services in El Paso, Texas. We are a legal services nonprofit, so we help immigrants um, legalize their status here in the United States. Melissa has had a long career helping migrants at the border, and her work covers many aspects of immigration. But most recently, she's been working with people applying for asylum a specific legal designation for people who are fleeing their home country, usually because their lives are in danger, and seeking refuge in America. We've had a lot of people coming to the United States in the last, probably the last 10 years, seeking asylum. And so that's been the predominant area where we've spent a lot of time. Now, I'm sure you've all seen some of the countless stories in the news about the crisis at the southern border. The growing crisis for the Biden administration along the U.S.-Mexico border. One area alone saw more than 500 migrants enter during an eight-hour period last week. Nearly 180,000 people have arrived at the southern border or tried to cross illegally in 2021, more than double as many as in the first two months of 2020. So in light of that, I asked Melissa to explain what her workload has been like of late. We've been incredibly, incredibly busy with the wind down of the Migrant Protection Protocols program that required asylum seekers to wait in Mexico. Um, It's definitely been a busy few weeks. So what exactly does she mean by the wind down of Migrant Protection Protocols under President Biden? Here's CNN immigration reporter Priscilla Alvarez to explain. President Biden is just getting started on starting to dismantle some of the Trump administration policies. So we already have some clear examples of that. For example, the Trump administration set up what is known as the Remain in Mexico policy. So what that meant is that migrants coming to the U.S.-Mexico border to seek asylum were kicked back to Mexico where they had to wait until their court date in the United States. This is a program they launched in 2019, and there have been migrants that have been waiting to claim asylum in Mexico for years. And so the Biden administration came in and immediately ended that program and also started the gradual entry of those migrants so that they could do what has typically been done in the U.S. immigration system, which is have people come into the United States and work through their asylum hearings in the United States versus in Mexico. The people forced to stay in Mexico were living in what were reported to be appalling conditions, with many under the threat of extortion, sexual assault, and kidnapping. It's a large part of why President Biden rolled this policy back so quickly after taking office. And now, some of those people are gradually being allowed to enter the United States as their asylum applications are being processed, and many of them are the people Melissa has been working with. Can you describe for us some of the factors uh, these migrants are telling you they face in their home countries that leave them in their mind with no option but to make this really dangerous journey to the U.S. border? 
The biggest thing that we hear is forced recruitment from the gangs where, um, you know, these criminal enterprises in Central America are trying to recruit them. And so you either join the gang and join the criminal enterprise and then your life is at risk for that reason or you refuse to join and then you are threatened because you refuse to join. And so these um, criminal enterprises really have huge impacts on people's lives. And as a result of that, they feel like they have no choice but to seek safety somewhere else. Factors in their home countries like gang violence, economic despair, and natural disasters cause migrants to come to the United States. These factors are a major focus area for the Biden administration in dealing with this crisis. That's why I've asked the vice president of the United States yesterday to be the lead person on dealing with focusing on the fundamental reasons why people leave Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador in the first place. In fact, President Biden has tasked Vice President Harris with a similar role he held for President Obama, working with those Northern Triangle countries to stem the flow of migrants. But as Melissa explains, there's also a strong pull for so many making the long trek, the possibility of a better life in the United States. You know, when you have people that are so desperate to enter the United States that they try to run in front of my car on the freeway, which has happened to me twice in the last week, I had one gentleman that we locked eyes, and thankfully he didn't run in front of the car. Um, And so I kind of slammed on my brakes, and then he stopped, hesitated, and I was able to kind of step on the gas and get moving. And so he was able to run behind my car. Um, And then we also have stories of clients who climb this 30-foot wall that we have here along the southern border and feel like their only choice is to jump. Um, And then they end up in the hospital with broken hips and broken legs. And so I think it makes it clear that we aren't doing enough. I can't imagine feeling that way, obviously. But it seems to me that that must be really emotionally, psychologically scarring. You know, one thing that we see a lot is an incredible amount of resilience in our clients. They've been through so much and yet... Arriving in the United States gives them so much hope. Of course, there's trauma, um, especially in the children. We see a lot of children that have really been through a lot. They've seen terrible things. You know, children who are sexually assaulted, um, children who have been exposed to crazy amounts of abuse in their home countries. And without a doubt, The most visible, immediate, and heartbreaking part of this crisis are the thousands of unaccompanied minors currently in Border Patrol custody. We'll dive into that next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. 
When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We have over 1,200 processed unaccompanied children in our custody right now. These are children that are ready to be turned over to HHS's custody. I have about 39 kids that have been here for over 15 days. Why they've been here for 15 days or more, it's out of my hands. I don't have control. Those are the sounds from a border facility tour in Donna, Texas. It was the first time the media have been given access to one of these facilities under the Biden administration. Currently, this facility is filled with 4,100 kids, but its total pandemic-era capacity is only 250. I asked Melissa if she thought the Biden administration was prepared for this surge of children. I think there was no preparation for the number of children. And I think the other complicating factor is is that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and so while we have a number, I think we I think twelve or thirteen thousand ORR Office of Refugee Resettlement beds for unaccompanied children, the reality is this capacity is limited due to due to the pandemic. And so they're either in crowded border patrol facilities which is terrible, or they're going to be in a shelter setting, but in likely non-CDC compliant conditions. And so it's the worst of, of two choices. And I would much prefer that children be in the custody of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, who has more than 20 years of experience in caring for children and ensures that the settings that the children are placed in are much more friendly um, and take into account the fact that they're children. In fact, President Biden addressed this exact issue of children in overcrowded border facilities and what he planned to do about it in his first press conference last week. That's why I've been working from the moment this started to happen to try to find additional access for children to be able to safely, not just children, but particularly children, to be able to safely be housed while we follow through on the rest of what's happening. That is totally unacceptable. Now, the president saying it's unacceptable is one thing. The administration taking action to fix it is another. This is what Ambassador Roberta Jacobson, the White House coordinator for the southern border, said about the lengths the administration was going in order to fix this problem. I think that we're doing everything we can. This is an all-hands-on-deck challenge. As you can see from the numbers of children, unaccompanied children who are in HHS custody, we are moving smartly to expand the amount of space that we have, which is appropriate for children, and moving children out of Border Patrol stations and CBP facilities as quickly as we can. Do you agree with that assessment? Is everything possibly that can be done being done? Perhaps, but I think certainly there were a lot of warning signs that we were going to get to this point that were not 
seen. You know, there were warning signs that we were getting to a point of having, you know, thousands and thousands of people trying to enter the United States. I mean, you had a Trump administration that, you know, during the last two years, especially of the administration, the border was essentially shut to asylum seekers. And it's well known, well documented that these individuals have been waiting in in northern Mexico for the last two years to be able to enter and seek asylum. And so I think there was laser focus on undoing the Remain in Mexico program. And I think in that laser focus, there was a lack of foresight at looking at the other populations that, that might be affected by those policies. And so certainly I think there are efforts being made. Is everything possible being done? It's hard to say that it is when we see daily suffering. As Melissa is saying, in some ways, this situation could have been predicted. And the numbers show no sign of slowing down. In fact, the Biden administration estimates 34,000 more beds are going to be needed for children from April to September. I asked Melissa what she thought about that number. When you think about the fact that we currently have about 13,000 or our beds nationally, I mean, that's three times that number. That's, that is a huge number. Um, and not just in terms of the actual beds, but ensuring that there's quality individuals able to care for these children, right? That you have qualified social workers and qualified medical providers and and qualified legal service providers to make sure that these children are well cared for and attended to. So yeah, that's a huge that's a huge number, but my hope is that we'll see some improvements in the way that the background check process takes for sponsors for the family members of these children so that rather than have the need for 34,000 more beds, that we could more quickly reunite children with their families and avoid the need for that many beds. But getting qualified people like Melissa in to see these kids is easier said than done. And while lack of access to these border facilities is not out of the ordinary, it has become a major issue given the amount of time some of these children are now spending in CBP custody. What is supposed to be a holding time of no more than 72 hours now spans many days, sometimes weeks for some of these children. And for Melissa, that's when lack of access becomes a major problem. We are not allowed access, which is really concerning because we don't know the conditions under which they're being held. You know, we're not in a, in a place where we can ask them questions and check on them. And so that is kind of a bit of a black hole in terms of knowing how the children are doing, how they're faring, whether they're, you know, sick or they're healthy. So it's long been a concern for many of us, the children being in Customs and Border Patrol custody for longer than even a few hours. Lack of access is just one criticism of President Biden's handling of this crisis. Both Democrats and Republicans have criticized the Biden administration when it comes to the border policy. Here's CNN's Priscilla Alvarez again to explain some of the politics at play here. Democrats that are representing border communities have leaned further to apply pressure to the administration to note that this is a problem and that we need to address it and address it quickly. 
Republicans have been visiting the U.S. southern border in recent weeks to highlight the issues happening at the border and to highlight the influx of migrants coming to the border. Now, their argument against the Biden administration is that the policies that they rolled out, the announcements, as well as the rollbacks of Trump administration policies, is what has encouraged migrants to come to the border. Now, experts say that there's a number of reasons why migrants come to the border. That includes the perceived relaxation of enforcement, But President Biden has stringently denied that it's the case that his policies are responsible for the current influx. Well, look, I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. It happens every single solitary year. So I asked Melissa if there's any truth to the claim that people are coming because Mr. Biden is a, quote, nice guy. Absolutely true. For four years, migrants and immigrants have heard nothing but negative comments coming from the highest office in the country. And when you have a president that speaks the way that President Biden does, I think it gives people hope. But many of those people are being turned away when they arrive at the border. In February, nearly 72% of the people encountered at the border were sent back. That's according to CBP data. And a big reason why is because of a Trump-era policy decision to enact what's known as Title 42. Here's Priscilla again to explain what that is. Title 42 was set up in March of last year, and it's related to the coronavirus pandemic. So what the Trump administration did is they invoked a public health law that they said allowed them to turn away migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. So that included single adults, families, and children crossing the U.S.-Mexico border alone. But the Biden administration has made one critical change to how the policy is implemented. Where the difference is, is the Biden administration decided that this policy would not be applied to unaccompanied children. So reverting back to U.S. policy as it has been, which is that children come into the United States and work through the process of their immigration hearings while they're in the country. None of which is to say that Biden has thrown the border wide open. He hasn't, despite this massive influx of unaccompanied children. You know, the borders are not open. Asylum seekers are not freely able to um, apply for asylum. And so despite the hope that came with a new president, the reality is vastly different from that. Melissa, what frustrates you the most when you hear people, whether on television or in your world and family and friends, talking about the border crisis? I think the lack of humanity, um, the lack of really talking about each and every asylum seeker as if they're a human being and instead referring to them as a statistic, right? So spewing these numbers and not giving context to their stories themselves. I think it's really difficult. and, And I've been doing this work for almost 14 years. And I've said this from the beginning. You do not truly understand how terrible our immigration system is until you've walked through the system with somebody, whether it be you yourself or some a family member. Um, and to see the biases and the discrimination that exists even within the system is terrible. We're talking about human beings who are who are suffering. I do think we need to change our tone in terms of the way that we talk about migrants. They are human beings. They are people that have suffered a great deal. And let's start there. And then we can talk about some of the other issues. 
Melissa Lopez, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We'd also like to thank Michelle Sines Rodriguez and Priscilla Alvarez. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks so much for listening. If you could please take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, that would be great. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you can get our latest episode each week delivered right to you. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Mimi Mutesa, Emmanuel Johnson, and Will Cadigan. Haley Thomas is our senior producer. Francisco Monroy is our engineer, and David Toledo is the team's production assistant. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see you next week. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.